for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the anointing of your spirit. And Lord, as I enter into this time, I pray, O oh God, that you would minister to the ear of the listener that they might hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. God, I'll minister it, but you're going to have to take it and turn it around and make it say exactly what you want it to say. Lord, I'll give the logos and you give the rhema. I praise you, Lord. I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit that's upon us and upon this place. And I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would take control and it'd be all of you and none of me in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. I want to continue with our series that we've been talking about. This is the third week about restoring the environment of God's glory. And the ability and the desire to worship is one of the most distinguishing marks that separate humans from animals. Animals may worship God by doing what they were created to do, but animals, in, a, in essence, do not worship God the way that humans do. A dog doesn't sit in his backyard and lift his paws to the Lord and bark out praises to God. Oh, yes, he barks. That's what he was created to do. But I guarantee you that he is not sitting there contemplating the wonders of eternity. He's probably thinking about food or another dog next door or strangers that are passing by. When I go out in my backyard, invariably my neighbor's dog starts barking, but he's not praising God. He is saying, stay on your side of the fence or I want to eat you up. <laughs> in contrast, the Bible says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. That simply means that God has put in us the sense or the awareness that there is more into this world than what we can see, feel, taste, or even imagine. In fact, the invisible world that you cannot see is more real than the visible world that you can see. You say, how do you know that? Well, Romans 1 and 20 says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Hallelujah. You need to know that there is a God simply by looking at his creation. Where there is a created thing, there must be a creator. Where there is design, there must be a designer. And when you look through the microscope or the telescope or just open your natural eyes and look around or look in the mirror at yourself, there had to be somebody that created you the way that you are. We are not just here by chance, but we are all here for a purpose and we know there's an invisible world by the visible world that you can see. Amen. Unlike animals, human beings have an inbred drive or a passion, as we've been hearing about, the, to bow down and to worship something, to pay homage to something, to offer reverence and respect to something that is greater than themselves. And that is why people make gods out of movie stars, sports heroes, cars, houses, lands, hobbies, recreation, you name it. And if it feels good, sounds good, looks good, tastes good, man will make a God out of it. And if they can't find something to make a God out of, well, they'll just turn and worship themselves and it's called the God of selfishness. And so, that's, so you say, why is that? Well, there's a reason. We were created by God to worship him. We were not created to be worshipped or to worship other worthless idols, but we were created to worship God. God put in our conscience the knowledge of right and wrong, and in our hearts he put a desire to worship. 
the word conscious is made up of two words, con, which means with, and science, which means knowledge. And after the fall, in the beginning, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit from the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, they they were driven, they had the knowledge, or they were with knowledge of right and wrong. And with that, they had the desire to get back into Eden, the innocency that they had before they understood right and wrong. They wanted to get back to that place where they were at, in perfect harmony with God. This is what it makes you different from the rest of creation. That is what makes you human. Therefore, as Solomon has said, let us come to the conclusion of the whole matter. You want to know the conclusion of the whole matter of life? Solomon said, here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So here's a fact. There is one thing that we do on earth that we will continue to do in heaven. And that is we will praise and worship God. If you don't like to praise and worship God on this earth, I don't think you want to go to heaven because that's what they're already doing there and we're just going to join with them when we pass from this life to the next. That is why Christ followers view life on earth simply as choir practice for heaven. To say that praise and worship is the most important category of music today is an understatement. In light of that, I believe that there is no more important activity that we can engage in this life than to be continually living in the environment of praise and worship to God. And the last two weeks, we've been ministering on restoring this environment of God's glory. And first, we learned that our praise praising the Lord, recreates the spiritual environment of the Garden of Eden and that praise attracts the presence of God. We also learn that praise will maintain the presence of God. And so therefore, we should be spending our days on this earth praising and worshiping God. Hebrews 13 and 15, therefore, or through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, everybody say continually, continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. That means when you don't feel like it. That means when it's not convenient. That means no matter what time of day it is, it doesn't say to worry and fret and think about your problems, but it says to offer up to God a sacrifice of praise and you're to do it with the fruit of your lips, which includes your mouth, your tongue, and your what? Lips, amen. It's all three of them, your synchronized praise and worship team. I want to see if you remember from last week. But anyway, the fruit of your left. And what are you doing? You're confessing his name. Now, we have learned that praise is a prerequisite for the presence of God. So if you want God's glory to show up in your life, which if God shows up in your life, it will result in terrific changes in your life, then you will have to discipline yourself. It's not going to be easy, but you will have to discipline yourself to begin to praise the Lord. It doesn't happen automatically. You might have to make yourself. If you're not used to doing it, you might have to make yourself open your mouth and praise the Lord. Everything in this life will discourage you from opening your mouth and praising God, but you have to get a want to. So I said, well, one of these days I'm going to get around to it. Well, I brought a couple of them with me today, all right? <laughs> and in case you haven't got one, there's some coming out there. 
and I got some more. That's not all I have. I have some more. So if you need one after church, you get yourself around to it because you need to get a want to. You need to get a desire to worship and praise the Lord. It's not time to bellyache and talk about all your problems. It's talk about. It's time to talk about faith. It's talk about time to talk about the way you wish things were and the way you want things to be. Start talking that way, and that's by praising the Lord. Amen. Now, when I was praying the other day, the Lord spoke to me in prayer, and he said, uh, I want you to go back and get that Reader's Digest article that you read about 30 years ago. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And I started thinking about it. He wanted me to bring this into this sermon today, and so I went and I started looking, and sure enough, I found this subject, and it was talking about lightning. Now, everybody knows what lightning is, don't they? Everybody's seen it. You know the power of lightning. The order of things is always the same, first the lightning, then the thunder. They say that whenever the lightning strikes, that if you count 1,001, 1,002, and then you hear the thunder, you'll know that that lightning is like one mile or two miles away. It's like 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. You know it's three miles away. But if you can't even say 1,001, you better run for cover because that baby's around you real close, and you're about ready to be smoked. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. So it's first the lightning and then the thunder. Now, this is very important, what God wants to say to you today. Lightning is an electrical charge which flashes not from the cloud to the earth, as it sometimes appears, but it goes from the earth to the cloud. When storm clouds gather, this is what happened. The wild turbulence inside them result in a separation of electrical charges. Usually the negative charges, now listen real, real close because you've got to get this. Negative charges accumulate in the lower part of the cloud. How many feel like sometimes they got a cloud over their head and everywhere they go, it's blah, 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 blah. Negative, negative, negative. They got a cloud following them. And it's a negative cloud that's over there. Well, the negativity is in the lower part of the cloud. But in the upper part of the cloud, positive charges are building up. And the positive charges in the upper cloud are looking for a place to go through the negative and hit that positive power that's on the earth. Hallelujah. What it's looking for is something that is strong enough on the earth to penetrate the negativity to make contact with the earth. Have you got it yet? Now, lightning is tremendously powerful. Lightning moves at about 30,000 times as fast as a bullet and may contain billions of volts and as much as 500,000 amps of power millions of times as much as in your electric house current. The intense heat that is generated when lightning strike directly often causes all the sap, get this, all the sap in a tree to boil instantaneously and evaporate. In a chimney, the violent expansion of moisture in bricks may blow them to a million pieces. A large bolt of lightning has enough energy to lift a 50,000-ton ocean liner six feet in the air. You say, where'd you get that? Reader's Digest. That's where I got that. But it let me know that there is tremendous power in lightning. And so I went back and started praying some more. And the Lord said, man, we ain't through yet. He said, get your Bible. I got my Bible, and I opened my Bible, and I'm not kidding you. 
I opened my Bible and this is what I read in Psalms 144 and verse 5. He says, part your heavens, O Lord. This is David praying. He said, part your heavens. You don't see no negativity here. You see somebody crying out for the Lord. He says, part your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Send forth lightning and scatter. Who? The enemies. Who's your enemy? The flesh, the world, the devil. Negativity. All this junk, all this stuff that you've had your mind dwelling on. He said, God, strike me and zap the sap out of me. Zap the sap. Boil it up instantly and do away with it. I got to hold myself here because I got a long way to go. But shoot your arrows, he said, and rout them. He said in verse 7, reach down from heaven and rescue me. Deliver me from deep waters. How many know you've been in deep water? Don't know the answer. Confusion. I don't know how in the world I'm going to get out of this problem. Man, I have made mess of my life. There's things that have happened to me that I just don't know which way to turn, and I don't know what to do. Man, you are in deep water. Why in the world are you in deep water? Because of the power of your enemies. They're, but I want to tell you something today. Their mouth is full of lies. And they swear to tell the truth, but they're liars. The lie is coming from the pit of hell. It is coming from the father of lies, and his name is Satan, and he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. It's not in him. Now, how are we going to get that lightning to strike? David said, I will sing a new song unto the Lord. I will sing your praises. Hallelujah. You say, I don't know how to sing. Just go around. Jesus, joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. Oh, it's a, and the half has never yet been told. Made it, made it quickly there, but anyway. You say, I don't know that one. Well, how about praise him? Praise him, praise him in the morning, praise him in the evening, praise him in the night, praise him. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, you know the songs. Do you guys know any songs? Yes. That's what we do on Sunday, you know, we sing all these songs. I don't know about you, but these things last for me about two or three days. Yes. I'm singing the songs that we sing this morning. I'll be singing them on Monday and Tuesday. They'll be rolling over and over my mind. Right. You got to start saying them out loud. Yes. Start singing. Yes. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day. Okay, sing it. <laughs> Praise God. I, I can't sing, brother. You know, but I sound wonderful when I put those things in my ears. I got one of those little iPods. It's not an iPod, it's a DJ, but it's the same thing as an iPod. And I put that thing in my ear, and man, I start singing, and I sound beautiful. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. But I tell you what, I got all my favorite songs on there. Hallelujah. Let it breathe on me near the cross. Hallelujah. Peace in the valley. You name it, man, I got it on there. And I listen to those songs, and I sing them to the top of my voice. And what do you think I got victory for? Because I got praises in my heart. 
And God, the Bible said, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro about the earth looking for those whose hearts are right toward him. He's looking for somebody. He can get those positive powers to go through the negative and get down inside of you and cause changes in your life. Changes in your life. He wants to change things, rearrange things, make things right. But it won't happen until you start praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, if all you got time for is gun smoke and bonanza, you'll never get anything from God. Hallelujah. If all you're doing is listening to some cry song about somebody lost their dog or somebody lost their husband or something like that, you'll never get anything from God. You got to find time, my friend, to concentrate on Jesus. Hallelujah. When Jesus left this earth and descended back into heaven, he told the disciples to go back into the city and stay in the upper room until they were endued, endued with power, which means dunamis or dynamite from on high. I went and looked up that word endued. It comes from the Greek word enduo, which means putting on clothing. Putting on clothing. Some of you got the wrong clothing on. You need to go get you a garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise and take off the, the garment of negativity. Put on the garment of praise and start worshiping the Lord. Because when you put on the garment of praise, I'll just leave it off, but uh, I got it on. I still got my shirt on. Hallelujah. When you put on the garment of praise, the Bible said you will be endued. Endued with what? Power. And he said power was like dynamite. Miraculous. He said dynamite from on high. And what's it going to be? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was going to be his glory and it would give them the power and the ability to accomplish things that they could not do in their own power. It was estimated that at least 500 people started out in the prayer room, but only 120 remained 10 days later when the Spirit showed up. I wonder how long you'd have hung around. <laughs> too many people are in too big a hurry. The old timers used to call it waiting on God. Hallelujah. And brother, when you waited on God, something would happen. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we'd pray and nothing happened, so we'd pray again. We'd pray again. And we'd pray again. And we'd pray again. And now I tell you what, then the power of God would come down. Hallelujah. I remember being in a service one time. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. And all of a sudden I said, saints, wait a minute. I said, can you hear that? Can you hear that? Everybody be quiet. Can you hear that? Man, it sounded like a locomotive coming in the distance. Uh, man, I could hear it coming. I said, that's a Holy Ghost coming, brother. Hallelujah. And about that time, that, that big old locomotive, it sounded like a locomotive, hit in that place. And I mean to tell you, the Holy Ghost came down. People started getting changed. People started being, a uh, thing started happening in their lives because the Holy Ghost came down. Hallelujah. And it sometimes may not happen when you begin to praise. But if you'll keep on praising, the eyes of the Lord are looking for that praise. He's looking for somewhere he can strike that lightning and you can be power packed with the glory of God. Hallelujah. Luke 24 and 50. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually. Everybody say continually. Continually at the temple doing what? Praising God. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. 
And suddenly, a sound like, now it says suddenly here, but they'd been there for 10 days. They'd been seeking for 10 days. You might have to praise a while. You say, I said, praise the Lord, and nothing happened. <laughs> you might have to do a little more than that. You might have to get your heart into it. Start believing it. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Once in the city of Philippi, Paul and Silas found themselves thrown into jail on trumped up charges by the owners of a slave girl who had made her masters a lot of money, fortune telling until Paul cast the demon out of her, messed them up. And so stripped and severely beaten and with their feet locked in stocks, the two missionaries were not in a conducive environment for God's presence. Now you think about it for a minute. They were sitting in prison, an old, dry, musty, a wet, damp prison, dark, ugly, Everybody around them probably swearing and carrying on. Why are we here? How come it had to be this way? And they're sitting there with their, their hands and their feet locked in stocks. It was not an environment for praise. The life we live in is not always an environment for praise until you make it an environment for praise. You make it of an environment. They created their own environment of praise. And when they did at midnight, the darkest hour of the night, at midnight, when it seemed like there was no hope, I hope you're hearing me today. I know that sounds like some, something like you said, the TBN preachers, you ain't hearing me. But sometimes I wonder if you're sitting there dreaming, thinking about McDonald's hamburgers, are you really listening? Get those hamburgers out of your mind. It's time to concentrate on the Lord. It was at midnight. It was in the darkest hour of their night. How many know what I'm talking about? Fifteen of you. Hallelujah. How many know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had a dark midnight? Have you ever had a night when it seemed like that you just couldn't get through it? You just didn't know the answer. At midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what? Belly aching and crying nagging on their brothers and sisters, ragging out. <laughs> no. <laughs> they were praying and singing hymns to God. And when they started singing, the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake, lightning in, coming down, brother, lightning, violent earthquake, and the foundation of the prison were shaken. Something started happening. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. I want to tell you, if you'll start praising the Lord, everybody around you start feeling it. Everybody around you will start feeling what you're feeling. You'll excite everybody. If you get a little bit of Holy Ghost in you, the basic definition of the word hymn is a song of praise to God. Paul and Silas were singing praise songs to the Lord when his presence came down, shook the foundations of the prison. In the Greek, the word translated singing hymns is humanio, a verb which also specifically means praise or singing hymns of praise. In fact, if you go to the translations in King James Version, it says at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. In the New American Standard, 
Word uh, Bible, it says, and about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Clearly, praise was present in the prison before the presence came down. Did you get that? Praise was present before the presence came down through praise. Paul and Silas turned their prison experience into a garden of Eden in the middle of a jail cell. They made it a garden of Eden. And as a result, the glory came down and performed miracles. But the greatest miracle of all was that that same night, the jailer and his entire family got saved. You see, I don't understand why nobody's coming to church. Well, man, what kind of testimony are you witnessing to them with? Change your testimony. Start talking about the goodness of the Lord and see what happens. You will have a direct result on all those around you. You will cause them to want what you have. Praise is a prerequisite for God's presence. I want to ask you the question this morning. How bad do you want your problem fixed? How bad do you want it fixed? Some people have a victim mentality, really don't want to change. Their problems are like an old pair of shoes. They're wore out, but they're comfortable. And so you just keep wearing those things. And they're about to fall off of you, but man, you're taping them up. You're putting cardboard in there. You're doing everything possible to hold on to that old thing that's been bothering you for so long. Are you willing to let go of your pride? Are you willing to let your hair down, so to speak, and call on Jesus with all of your heart? Are you ready to get serious with God about your life? I'm winding up. I'm not going to go too much longer. But I want to tell you something about one guy. His name was Bartimaeus. And he was sitting by the roadside begging. And he was blind. He could not see. And that's the problem with too many people today. They can't see. They can't see. But oh, hallelujah, when he heard that Jesus was coming by. When he heard Jesus was coming by, he said, what's all the commotion? They said, oh, it's Jesus. It's that one that, you know, healed the sick, raised the dead. He's that one that opened the ears. He's that one that delivered them from demons. I want you to know when Jesus comes in, he can deliver you from demons. There was a man that had a thousand, he had a legion or a thousand demons in him. But when Jesus came by, Jesus cast them all out at one time. He didn't do it one at a time. He just said, all of you, get out of here, get in the pigs and see you later. Hallelujah. It was all over with. Too many times we keep going around this same mountain over and over and over. I'll do this, I'll do this. I know steps are good. But man, you can step until you step your way into hell. You need to get repentance in your life. You need to say, God, forgive me of my sins. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise die in your sins. Amen. And if Jesus had a passed by, he would have never got his healing. But oh, he didn't just sit there. He said, okay, he said, Jesus is coming by. He said, I'm going to do something about this. Uh, he said, he began to tell them, he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And he didn't just whisper it. He yelled it. I talked about that last week. You've got to sometimes shout to the Lord. You've got to lift up your voice because the, the Bible said that John the Baptist until now the kingdom of God suffered violence at the violent take it by force. You've got to take it from the devil. You've got to say no to the devil. You've got to say no to the world. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. Amen. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And the Bible said he arose, he got up, and he had on his cloak that represented that he was a blind man. 
But he, the first thing he did was he threw off his cloak, garment, that garment that signified that he was a blind beggar, threw it off. And the Bible said he didn't walk to Jesus. He didn't skip to the loo to Jesus. He ran to Jesus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Oh, we have these altar calls and we say, oh, please, won't you come? Please, won't you come? You have to see your need. You have to see your condition. You have to see that you are a dirty, rotten sinner and break the pride that is binding you and keeping you from having what God would have you have in your life. You've got to say no to the devil. Resist the devil. You've got to turn around and run to Jesus. Hallelujah. If you run to him, he'll hear your cry. He said, what can I do for you? And he said, I want my eyesight. And the Lord said, because you've yelled, because you've come, because you've run, be thou healed. And immediately he could see. He could see. Now he understood. Woo! Hallelujah. And that's the problem with so many people. They're blind and they can't see. Their pride has so built up. They think they're so self-righteous. They think they don't need God. But oh, hallelujah, whenever you finally, when you finally break down and you say, I need God, and you run to him, and he heals your body, and he heals your soul, you'll turn around and look back at the way you used to be and say, oh, what a mess I was. You'll then be able to see what everybody in Jesus sees. Hey Amen. Everybody could see that guy was a blind man. But oh, he couldn't see it. But after he got his eyes healed, he could see. So what were the steps? He cried out. He shouted louder. He threw his garment aside, which represented that he was a, a beggar, a healer, I mean a blind man. And he caught up and he ran to Jesus. And he was healed. Hallelujah. And to be honest with you, that is the introduction to this sermon. Because then we go into results, restores the environment of God's glory. That'll have to be next week, folks. I don't have enough energy to finish it. But I want to tell you something. God has a miracle for somebody here today. I prayed more this week than I've prayed in my entire life. I don't mean all together, but I mean in one week's time. I have spent hours and hours on my face before the Lord, and God has revealed that some people are going to get healed. In fact, I saw people getting healed while I was praying. I've already called them and told them, and I told them God's healing you already. Hallelujah. But I believe God's got some miracles for somebody here today, right now. Amen. And I want you to stand to your feet. And if you really believe that God's got a miracle for you and you're tired of the way you've been living, you've been tired of the, of the cloud that's been hanging over your head and you'd like some help. Amen. That's what you have here. You have help. You can come down here and we will agree with you. It said we're two or three agree as touching anything in the name of Jesus Christ. It shall be done. And so if you're here today, I'm going to have you come forward and we're just going to agree that God's going to deliver you and give you the victory that you need in your life so, so much. Amen. Let's sing that song again. Let it breathe on me. Amen. Let's pray. God, in your name right now, touch every heart, every life. God, those that are holding back, I pray they'd let go right now. 
in Jesus' name, that they'd come forward for healing. Lord, that you'd work a miracle in their life. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not going to beg you, but if you want healing, you want deliverance, you come up here right now. Stand in front of this, in front of this altar, and we're going to get healing for you. We're going to get deliverance for you. God's going to work a miracle. God can do more in a second of time. Lightning strikes, bam, and it's done. Smoke. It's smoked. Boils him right in his, right in his own juices. Hallelujah. That's what happens. It's none of that waiting a long time stuff. It's like right now. Right now. Come on over here. Get up here real close. Come on over here. Amen. Amen. I need some help. I need some help. Prayer workers, come on, help me. Help me. Hallelujah. When I come along here and I pray for you, I want you to be ready for a miracle. I want you to be ready for a miracle. God's going to do something in your life right now. God's going to do something for you right now. Here we go. Now, don't anybody leave. Everybody stay right here. Rest of you guys, come on in. Come on, come on. The water's fine. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, here we go. In Jesus' name, perform the miracle in his life right now. Perform the miracle in his life.